welcome to our second episode of Checking In. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Once again, welcome to Checking In, our second episode. I'm your studio host, Orrin Stewart, and joined with Miranda and Leon. How are you all both doing? Yeah, doing well, Orrin. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good to see you both again. Good, Good to see you, too. Yes. Good to yes. see you. Thank you for, for hosting, Orrin. And, um, We'll be back to chat with you in a little bit. Miranda and I are gonna gonna talk about a couple of things, and then uh, we'll get into the show with with our guest. So, Miranda, we're here for episode number two. How do you like that? I love it, and I'm not the only one who loves it. A lot of other people love it. Oh, right on. That is that is great to hear. So when you say a lot, I mean, we have folks that want to be guests on the show or are they saying, yeah. hey, cool show? What What's going on? We have got so many people that want to come on as guests. I have got a list. There is no lack of of interest in joining us for these conversations. Oh, that is that is so cool. That is so cool. You know, one of the things that that I hear in the podcast and webcast world is it's hard to get guests, right? But we are not having that problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And I can't wait. I wish there were more hours in the day so that we could just keep having these conversations. Yeah, yeah, this is really, really cool. Thanks you. Thanks for being being our partner on on this. Um, it's a really exciting thing to do. Thank you. Thank you for coming up with this idea because apparently it's in demand. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear. We had our first guest, Brian Barker, on on uh, our first episode. And I, too, got some good comments about, about the show and the content and things that we talked about. And uh, looking forward to having a great conversation today with our guest, Michelle Russin. Let's bring her on awesome. into the show. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you all so much for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. So, Miranda, you've known Michelle longer than I have. I just met her like two weeks ago, and <laughs> somehow we, we started talking about seafood and crabs. We'll get to that later because that's not important <laughs> right now. Miranda, why don't you go ahead and give us an introduction of Michelle, and y'all chat a little bit, and I'll chime in. Sure, sure. So, Michelle, jump in and correct me if I'm misremembering any of this, but I believe we met at a hospitality student graduate conference. I can't even think of what year it was. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite a long time ago, but yes, that was the first time we met. Um, your research had inspired me back when I was in a master's program. And uh, for my master's thesis, I started research on the glass ceiling because of a paper that uh, you had written um, with your team at Florida International. And so I wanted to continue it on in the restaurant industry. So yeah, uh, I was so excited to meet you at that conference. <laughs> oh my God, that's so flattering because we in academia, we write these papers and they go into journals and we, I don't know that anybody ever reads them. So that's great <laughs> to hear. Um, yeah, Michelle also, um, I had the pleasure of being on her doctoral dissertation committee. 
So I was able to witness firsthand her excellence and just the amazing things that she's doing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. And Michelle, you're at what, what school are you at now? At California State University at San Bernardino. All right. And how long have you been there? Uh, this is my first semester. I'm a brand new assistant professor this semester. I oh. just finished up my dissertation in May. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Now tell us some about, about your dissertation. So my dissertation was all about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the hospitality industry, but um, my main focus was actually in hotels. Um, it, it ended up working out so that many of the top executives from hotels were really interested in helping me out. Um, and that was the first portion of my dissertation was finding out what really creates a diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment. So I conducted um, uh, interviews with 20 um, hotel executives, and then it spiraled into this, okay, so what can we do to create a diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment? And it turns out we start with inclusion. And then uh, the second part of my dissertation was I expanded it to more hospitality businesses, and it stuck. Um, inclusion does lead to a lot more positive outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's been the talk of our industry and many other industries for a long time, right? A lot of folks think it just started uh, with the murders of George Floyd and others back in 2020. But this this whole talk of diversity and inclusion has been has been around a while, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so now when we talk about in inclusion and we say it needs to start there, what are some steps that that organizations can take to be more inclusive? There are, um, it's a lot, so bear with me. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's so many steps that we can take. And first is by looking at us as a business. Do we actually value people who have different opinions? Um, it starts with our values and whether or not we're trying to um, have these diverse opinions and create innovation. If we're not trying to reach out and value people for bringing new ideas to the table, then we're really creating assimilation, which is not good. It's just a lot of people who look different, who have the same ideas. What we really want to do is look at us as an organization and figure out whether or not we value people who come to us and challenge us and cause us to think outside the box. Um, the next thing that we can really do is to create a um, leadership team that is that values uh, these people and offers equitable um, treatment based on background experience and desire. Not everyone wants to move up the chain. So we have to understand that they can still create value for our company, even if they don't desire to be in the top management team one day. We need to um, appreciate people for what they bring to the table now and maybe offer developmental opportunities to those who, to anyone who desires to continue moving up. Um, the third thing that we can do is really understand society's role in um, how people think in our organization. So we're learn, you know, we learn from a very young age how to think about people and how to act and we get stuck in these mental models. But simple uh, training, well, it's not simple, but bringing in training um, to understand what we were taught from a young age can influence the way that we think and the way that we interact with our coworkers and how we offer developmental opportunities and training opportunities to others. Um, it's a really important part of just changing the way that we think. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Miranda, go ahead. No, I was just thinking that that's so true. Um, a lot of the way that we think is um, inspired or developed by the way that we grow up. And I know for me, um, it, I just think it's so important to keep learning, right? Because when I was growing up in the 80s, my parents thought that being anti-racist, for example, was to not see color, right? And being open to conversations and listening 
right, has really helped me to change the way that I think. And I didn't even realize that I was thinking um, maybe not in the best way, right? If that makes sense. And you can apply yeah. that to diversity, equity, and inclusion because you may not realize that you have these internal, um, not the best way of thinking, I guess. Mm -hmm. you, you know, to, to kind of talk about some of what, you, what you're talking about, the uh, environment that we're, that we're brought up in, right? Um, I was told that when, when I was growing up that a black man could only do certain things. Right, that I could be a coach, I could be a teacher. By the way, both that I've done both of those. Um, but when I said I wanted to learn how to fly planes, there were many blacks that told me they're not going to let a black man do that. And there were many counselors at the mostly white, all boys Catholic school that I went to that told me. I should focus on something else that that's that's not going to work out for me. And so if 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 enough people tell you you can't, you, you really start to believe that a, a little. You start to buy into it. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's so important that we have we have females and we have uh, others that are helping those that are younger recognize that they can can do things and it starts with information and having people in place to be to provide some inclusive leadership yeah absolutely and i think that that's another reason that people want to be on this podcast and have these conversations because the more we talk about it the more we learn the more we can help solve for right so leon your lived experience i couldn't even imagine that right um, I've been told as a woman, you can't do certain things, right? Luckily, I've had other people telling me quite the opposite. So Michelle, I think that your research and your results are really, really just valuable in terms of making positive change. Yeah, that was the whole point of doing all this research was because I wanted to inspire other people. Um, it's I was also as a woman told, no, you're not supposed to do these things. And I'm like, well, who cares? <laughs> I want to do these things. So I'm just that type of personality. But for other people, I could totally see where it's like, oh, okay, if that's not what I'm supposed to do, then guide me to what I'm supposed to do. And instead, let's talk about it. Let's say, hey, no, if that's what you want to do, let's figure out how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Michelle, you, you mentioned something a couple minutes ago about one of the things you talked about was not everyone wants to wants to move up but they still bring value to to their organizations. They still bring creativity and we need to be open to that, that not everyone wants to move up. I, I remember uh, growing up in, in the hotel business, there were managers that I worked with that would say, if someone doesn't wanna be a general manager, I don't want them on my team. If they have no aspirations of moving up, I don't want them around. And I used to see some what I considered stars working at the front desk stars working as sales managers and sales directors that lost their enthusiasm for work in the business because they were told almost in essence if you don't want to move up you're a loser and they were very had some great great ideas and so when when you mentioned that it really resonated with me and some of the things i remember i remember seeing that we have to be open to to understand that everyone can bring something to the table 
Absolutely. As a manager, I was a restaurant manager for the first part of my life. And um, I wasn't ever upset. If one of my servers wanted to stay a server, I knew they still brought value. And I would often have meetings with them to ask them their opinions like, okay, what can I in leadership do for you? Because you're the one who's on the front lines and hearing I hear guest complaints sometimes, not even everybody wants to talk to a manager. So what can I do to make your job better? And yeah. they brought a lot of value that way. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one more, one more quick story about that. I worked for Vista Host Hotel Management out of Houston, Texas. And at the time, the CEO and chairman of the company was Michael Harrell. And um, I was on my first task force assignment. So I'm going into a hotel that's short staffed, not performing well, you name it, it's all wrong. And Mr. Harold called me my first night there and I'm gonna fake a Southern accent, so please forgive me. He says, how you doing? I said, I'm good, how are you? He says, you found the problems yet? I said, nope, not yet. He says, you wanna know where all everything's wrong? Find out who's been there the longest. They know and ask them how to fix it. They gonna make you look good. Right. And I'm thinking that person's and I went to this room attendant and a front desk uh, agent. And I said, look, what's going on here? And they ding, 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 ding. You got to fix them like, wow, this is pretty cool. So I, there was value in, in listening to folks and their creativity, letting them help me solve problems. Yeah, I so much appreciate when you when you said that. And I appreciate your Southern accent being a woman of the South. <laughs> That was a real treat. Thank you for that. <laughs> glad, glad I can I can help. <laughs> and I'm so glad also that you talk about talking to your people because you can solve for so many things if you just talk to your people. I was at um, the Pave Prevention Summit in Chicago earlier this week, and that's one of the big things we were talking about. A, a little off topic, we were discussing workplace mistreatment, workplace violence, and one of our solutions was simply talking to your people and know what's going on with them so that you can anticipate anything that may uh, cause someone to kind of go off the edge a bit. So um, I think talking for your people solves so many things, including uh, identifying opportunities to make people's job and life better. As you mentioned, Michelle, I love that mentality in leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the ladies I spoke with for my dissertation, she was very adamant that um, even as a top manager, whenever she was at this one hotel, there was a bellman who had been there for 15 years. So every time that she was there, she would make sure to carve out 20, 30 minutes of her time and just get his feedback, see what's going on. And a lot of the change that happened in their organization was happening because of this bellman. There you go. That's awesome. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Michelle, let's talk about your background. We've heard about your your background in, in academia. Tell us what what got you into the hotel business. Where'd you grow up? Things like that. Give us give us some some information like that. How did you get to where you are now? Completely by accident. <laughs> um, it, as is a lot of people in the hospitality industry, I started as a server when I was eighteen, uh, and I was in college. It was my first semester in college. I needed a job to help support myself, so I got a job as a server at a restaurant and fell in love with the industry. I made some of the best friends of my life and everything, and I decided I wanted to make it a career. I really enjoyed the flexibility. Um, I really enjoyed just like the camaraderie within the organization and then also talking with other people, um, the customer service aspect of it and everything. And so I um, was at the time in uh, 
my major was education and I wasn't loving the Florida public school system. So I started looking and decided and found hospitality as a major. So I transferred um, to uh, University of South Florida and continued working my way up. I worked my way up through front of the house, but then trained also in the back of the house in the restaurant industry. Um, after I graduated with my hospitality degree, I started managing in the restaurant industry, worked my way up through management to the assistant general manager position where I hit a ceiling. And I knew from my first moment in college that I wanted to eventually be a college professor one day. So once I hit my ceiling, I decided I was either going to have to choose um, to go back to school for my master's degree and start on the path towards college professorship or uh, start over at a new restaurant. So I chose to go back to school and start to teach it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great. And I'm so glad that you did, because look at what you're doing now. You're in a position to, to change lives, to, to offer folks motivation and encouragement. But because you're a researcher, you're able to talk to those that are in decision-making positions to help them change the way they do things. So you're you're in a hot spot right now. Yeah, I'm so excited. My whole goal is just to leave the world in a little bit better place than the way that I found it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're already on that track. So thank you for your contributions. Can you tell me, um, I want to just ask real quick about your research. And um, I may know the answer to this, but I'd like to share it with our audience. Was there anything that you discovered that surprised you or shocked you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so much. So, um, God, okay, so where do I start with this? Um, the very first thing was, it actually derailed my dissertation. <laughs> I had to take it onto a whole new path because um, there was a quote by one of the ladies that was, saying how it was not so much, um, okay. So women are given multiple job titles and job descriptions when they're in top management. A lot of the time it's inequitable. Um, they don't get paid for having multiple titles and taking on additional roles, but they're just kind of expected to. So yes, they do have this top management team title, but they're actually performing two roles and getting paid one salary. Um, so I was wondering, you know, what can we do about um, creating a better environment for that in leadership. But then I also realized as I was talking to this person that she accepted it because of the role and the culture of the company. Other than that one in equity, she said, this is the best I can get. And so that hurt me <laughs> just hearing that. Um, and it, you know, it still makes me a little emotional and upset, but then I realized, okay, so what can we do as researchers to um, to change the industry a little bit. And so I got talking with her and she's really talking about creating an inclusive environment in order to up tenure, which will help our situation as well. And it'll also long-term help organizations. Um, but it's also a trickle down effect because other people see this. And so that was probably one of the most shocking things that I came across. The other one was, um, I didn't only interview women, I interviewed a, a few men as well. And so it was just kind of the mindset, um, the mindset change of where we are right now and where we can get in the future. One of them um, was more willing and accepting and under, but he just kind of um, understood where the industry was. And he went about to say like, here's what's wrong with it. Here's my idea. And here's how I try to address it in my 
in my company. The other one seemed completely blind that there was like just any diversity, equity, or inclusion issues at all. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, I support everybody. And I'm like, that's part of the problem. Um, so that was, um, yeah, those were probably my two biggest shocks that it was just while I was sitting in the, in the interview. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's where you were going. Which no, that, that, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, it's not a perfect situation for, you know, us to actually be living in, but, uh, no, it, that's a really powerful thing that you said. It's the best that I could get. And I'm going to go ahead and make a bold statement. I don't think it's ever been fair for women in the workplace here in the United States, ever. I think it's gotten better over time. I think some things have gotten worse. I don't think it's ever been equitable, um, but I do truly believe if we and other like-minded people get on board and all grab our hammers and start smashing that glass ceiling, I think that it can, it, there's potential. I'm optimistic. I agree. I'm totally optimistic. I think that change can happen. We just have to, you know, as they say, eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> yeah, yep, one one bite at a time. And I think all all groups, women, um, people of color, other other minorities, that when we when we help each other get get it, um, when we help each other and and our groups uh, have better conversations about this topic and in forums like this. That way we, we expose others to, to our thoughts, but also we let folks know that, look, we want to help in, in the situations we're in. We're just not here saying, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. I mean, you've got research and ideas on, on how, to, how to make it better. Miranda has research and ideas on, on how to make things better. And that, you know, we're all in this together and we can all, we can all win, um, but we, we can't stop the conversation. It has, to, it has to stay on. It has to be continuous. Absolutely. And if I can add, um, I was at the AHEAD meeting, which Brian Barker spoke about uh, in our last episode. And I believe it was Dr. Burkita Bradford that said, you know, I'm not going to be called a minority because I am not minor. And I think that that applies to women. I think that it applies to people of color. There is strength in numbers. We are not minor. We just have to get together and force things to change. Yeah. Absolutely. And support one another. Yes. <laughs> support is, yeah. a, is a big deal. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, Michelle, tell us, what's, are, you, is, are there any new research initiatives that you, you have going on? Anything new that we should expect to, to read about you or any articles coming out? Tell us some, some hot things that are <laughs> yes, in I the have. Works. I have all kinds of things in the works. Um, I have almost too much <laughs> going on, um, but I am looking to do a few different things. Um, one is uh, start with with uh, gender beyond the binary. So we have in the past been very static in gender and its meaning. So right now I'm working on an experiment about the intersection of gender and um, but outside the binary and um, how support, uh, coworker support, manager support, um, creates better outcomes for, and then also credibility and trust in the top management team. Um, so that one's really exciting. That one's coming to a close and it should be um, under review very soon. Uh, there's also a few other things um, I'm looking at, um, a different, also different categories of underrepresented groups. 
Um, so, and how we can create a better experience and then also create not just an inclusive environment, but um, how to really leverage all these different ideas in an inclusive environment for the business. Oh, great stuff. This is hot stuff. Congratulations. And thank you for, for everything that you're doing to make it better for so many others. Thank you. No, and thank you for giving a platform for us to talk about it and just keep the ball rolling. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we've displayed your, your email address several times because I'd like our production team to show it one more time there to have uh, Michelle Russin's email address right there. So, folks, if you would like to contact Michelle to learn more about the research she's doing, her email address is is right there on the screen. So, Dr. Michelle. Michelle. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Russin. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Miranda, I'll turn it over to you for one final conversation piece. I just want to ask you, as you continue your journey and helping to move the needle, what support would you like from others? What support could other people who um, admire what you're doing and want to help, what would you ask of them? Uh, get involved. <laughs> um, so what we really need to do is uh, keep talking about it, scream it from the top of the mountains, you know, and just um, pass the word, share the word. We're in a social media world now where we have the ability to um, to talk about it and we have the platform to spread the word. The more people who are aware, the better that the better odds that we have of actually making a difference. Well put, very well put. Thank you. thank you, Michelle. Thank you for, for being our guest, our second guest on <laughs> Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. Michelle, it's been a pleasure having you uh, on our show and look forward to you coming back uh, sometime in the future. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really loved being here today. <laughs> we love having you. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Wow. What a great just some great information from, from Michelle and great research she's doing, huh? She is going places. She is going to do big things. And just think, she is just starting her academic career. This is yeah. just the beginning. Yeah. So we're going to see her doing so much in this space, I believe. Yeah, yeah, right on. I, I hope that, you know, as she continues to blossom and things happen, you know, that when we contact her to say, hey, would you come on the show that she doesn't say, oh, talk to my people. You know, <laughs> Hopefully she still has time for us. <laughs> yeah, right on. But yeah, just a great, uh, great conversation with her. I'm really, really happy to have her have her with us. Let's go back to our studio host, Oren. Hey, Oren. Hi, Oren. You're on mute. I'm so sorry. This has been an amazing episode. Such great information. What a second episode. I'll tell you something. Checking in is where you want to be. We really thank you for joining us. We look forward to the next time. Stay tuned. See you then. <music>